0: Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pastor Justin. For those who might not know me already, uh, it's lovely to share the message this morning. It's a great honor, and I'm glad you're here. This morning, we're finishing up the book of James, and we're touching on a couple of verses in chapter 5, specifically on verse 12 today. And Pastor Serge this week was giving me a hard time and teasing me because last week, if you remember, he had a large section of passages that were, in his words, he said he could probably do five messages, uh, separate messages just on those passages, and then this week I only have one, so obviously I have it a lot easier than he had it. So he was giving me a hard time, but I had to remind him that, uh, you know, to have a little bit of a different perspective change, because, I mean, like you could see it as a great honor, like maybe just you could see how much Pastor Tom trusts him for giving him So many passages to work with, you know, like to him who has been given much, you know, much more will be given to him kind of thing. So you can see just how much Pastor Tom trusts you, Serge, uh, and and how much he values your input as a teacher of the word. Uh, And then I got one verse. So there's that. I'm just joking. But today's passage is about not swearing oaths. And I don't know about you, but I haven't exactly sworn a bunch of oaths this week. This has not been something that I've uh, been doing, and, and maybe there's somebody here who's on jury duty or something, uh, but I think probably most people in this room right now are going, oh, not swearing oaths? <laughs> this week's message doesn't apply to me. That's good. I can. But before you kick back, kick back and relax and start to close your eyes for a little rest, uh, hang on, because as we explore the context of this passage... We're going to see that it actually does have application for all of us in a lot of different parts of our life, uh, day to day. So we're going to read in James chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, open them up, or the Bibles in front of you, open up to James chapter 5. And we are going to look at verse 12 specifically. It'll be on the screen as well, uh, I think. And so... We're also, after James chapter 5, we're going to flip to Matthew chapter 5. So you, those of you who like your Bible drills, you can flip to Matthew chapter 5 as well and be ready there uh, to look at the Sermon on the Mount because he actually, Jesus actually says the exact same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. But here we go. James chapter 5, verse 12. It says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. So, that you may not fall under condemnation. So, right away on that verse, as we read it, like the obvious kind of straightforward message of this text is that when you say something, you have to have the integrity uh, and and, with following through on the thing that you say you're going to do. So, you shouldn't need to back up your promise by swearing an oath in order to make it more valid. So you should just be able to say that. So, you know, when somebody says, like, I swear on my grandmother's grave that, you know, I'm going to do this thing. Like, that's, you shouldn't need to, need to put that into the words that you say. Now flip to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to see how Jesus put it. And it's in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 5 uh, and onwards. We're just going to read one verse, just 33, and then we're going to pause for a second to look at the context. So Matthew 5, says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So in other words, what they're used to hearing is, is don't swear on something and then not follow through on it. If you swear by something, do what you said you would do. Because it holds that much more importance when you swear by something. Like, so when you say, I swear on my mother's grave, you're adding emphasis to your words. You're trying to add, you know, value to what you're saying. In Ecclesiastes 5, Uh, verse four, it says, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow, for it is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. So this warning in scripture is something that they would have been very familiar with, of course. And the next part of the verse in Matthew, Jesus continues in the typical sermon on the mount. So they're used to saying like, hey, if you vow something, make sure you follow through on what you've vowed. But Jesus, in typical Sermon on the Mount, he just has this pattern where he says, you've heard it said this, but I say to you this. And so he's going to change it from what they're used to hearing. So continuing on in verse 34. And we're going to see how they were maybe abusing this practice. He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. And so we see that perhaps people were maybe avoiding following through on some of their promises by swearing on things that don't carry as much weight as, say, swearing on the name of the Lord. And so, you know, like you can kind of think of it like if you went to a courtroom. And, you know, they have you put your hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But what if they had you come in and they, like, held up a rock and you put your hand on the rock and you swore by the rock? You know, swearing by the Bible carries more weight, right? Because it's the Lord's, right? Than swearing on a random object like a rock. That carries less weight. So people were, seems like people were swearing by things like heaven or earth or themselves and that it would be kind of less bad. It's less of a big deal if you didn't follow through. If you're just like, you know, I swear on myself. Like I swear, I swear that I'll do it. It's less of a big deal than if you're like, I swear on the name of the Lord that I'm going to follow through on this. Because, you know, if you're swearing on the name of the Lord you're, and you don't follow through, you're using the na- Lord's name in vain. And you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. And they knew that it would be a big deal. So it appears from the context of these verses that the, some people were not following through on their commitments when they were making oaths. And the reason James is bringing this up in his uh, writing is we see in chapter 5, verse 4, just a little bit before verse 12, it says, "'Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts.'" So workers weren't getting paid what they were promised. Employers were backing out of their commitments of what they said they would do, and that's a big issue, right? So, as Jesus points out, that if you swear by heaven or earth, thinking that there's less gravity to that than by swearing on the name of the Lord, then you're mistaken. For heaven belongs to the Lord, and the earth is under his dominion. And even if you swear on yourself, you belong to the Lord. You can't change your hair color. You've got no control over yourself because the, you, you belong to the Lord. So swearing on a rock is no loophole to getting out of fulfilling your promise and not following through on your word. You know, in businesses in Canada, if like some people think that if you don't have a contract written, like you discuss something and, and you don't actually write it down, that that contract's not binding. But in Canadian law, a verbal contract can be just as binding as a written contract, kind of in the same way. Because your words are what matters. And in a similar way, that's why we're told here, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You shouldn't require a caveat to have integrity in the words you speak and your follow-through. Now, this week, there was a bit of a situation in my house. I was sitting at our desk in the living room doing some stuff on the computer, and, and my wife, Andrea, came up with a pitcher of iced tea and a glass of iced tea, and she said, honey, would you like some iced tea? And I said, no, thank you, but can I have a sip of yours? And so she said, she said yes, and she passed me the glass, and I took a pretty good-sized drink. And and she took the glass back and fit, topped it off with the pitcher and set the glass down right beside me and then walked to the kitchen probably to put the pitcher away. And I noticed the glass there, and I thought, well, oh, it would be kind of funny if I just drank it all. And uh, as I was thinking that, but then I thought, well, I don't really want the iced tea right now, and uh, and I don't want to make her have to walk back, so I didn't do anything with it, but I kind of thought about it. And when she came back, she said, hey, did you drink more of my iced tea? And I said, no, I didn't. I didn't have another sip. And she goes, are you sure? It's like half empty. I looked over, the glass wasn't totally full. And I said, yeah, no, 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 I didn't. And she's like, but I remember filling it up. Like, I remember pouring more into it. And I said, no, I swear I didn't. Isn't that interesting? I said, I swear I didn't. As if me trying to say that, I swear I didn't, was trying to to convince her that I wasn't doing it. And I found it really interesting, and I noticed instantly, because that's what I'm preaching on this week, and that was just sort of uh, something that came out of my mouth, and even though it was just like sort of a colloquialism, just, you know, I wasn't like, you know, I swear I did not drink iced tea, Um, even though it was just kind of more casual, I had to think, what's the reason that I said it? Uh, you know, even in a funny situation, which leads us to the last part of James, to these passages, uh, both, actually both what James and Jesus both say, that anything more than this, your yes, be yes, and your no, be no, anything more than this comes from evil and condemns us. Interesting. Is that true? Is it true? Like, it'd be, Because, I mean, so many of us might just throw out something like that into our conversations in a far more casual context. And so does it really come from an evil place. And as I pondered this, I realized that when we swear something, like whether it's formerly, formally or informally, it could be for a number of different reasons. So it could be because we're lying and we're trying to convince the person that, that we're telling the truth, right? We're trying to add weight to our lie to say, no, no, I swear I did not take that thing or do that thing, right? And so, you know, I swear at my mother's grave, you know, whatever. We're we're trying to add value to our lie to make it more convincing. Or maybe we're inconsistent with the truth that we tell. And so maybe we lie often and we try to, uh, you know, when we do tell the truth, we try to add value to the times we're telling the truth. Like, no, no, this time I swear I'm telling the truth this time. Kind of like the boy who cried wolf kind of thing, right? And so maybe we're inconsistent with that. Or perhaps we're not being believed by the person that we're talking to. And so, you know, they're not really trusting us in that moment. And so we are trying to defend our pride. You know, we don't want to be not believed. So we are, like, trying to convince them, no, I swear I didn't, I didn't drink that iced tea. You know, or maybe it's just we're doing it flippantly. You know, we're swearing, oh, no, like, uh, we're saying it in a way that's like, no, no, I, I, I swear I this or I swear that in a way that's just more casual and in those cases, we're using the Lord's name in vain because we're not paying attention or we're casually swearing on the, the name, name of the Lord or by things on the earth or things in the heaven or by ourselves. So there's not really much good that can come from swearing casually or not all the time. But then my mind wondered, is it actually a sin to swear? Like, is it sinful? Like if you're in a courtroom... You know, somebody gets called for jury duty or whatever, and you're in a courtroom, and they ask you to put your hand in a Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Is that sinful? Like, should Christians not be doing that at all? And I think at this point is where the answer gets a little bit more complicated than a simple yes or no. So, on one hand, it might be good for us to generally avoid that, but you see in Scripture that we see actually Paul himself Swearing oaths a couple of times he swears an oath. And so one part is in Galatians 1 verse 20, which says, "In what I'm writing to you, before God, I do not lie." So here he's invoking the name of the Lord to add, like, value, like, uh, uh, add importance to what he's saying. Like, before the Lord, he invokes the name of the Lord, name of the Lord, I do not lie. So he's using that and swearing on the name of the Lord in a sense. Uh, Well, not in a sense, he is. And then 2 Corinthians 1, he does the same thing. But then we also see God himself swearing an oath. And this is talked about in Hebrews chapter 6. And this is interesting, 6.14 to 17, or 13 to 17. uh, It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself So we see God himself swears an oath, and he swears on himself because there's nothing bigger or better than him. So uh, that's interesting. And so we can know just from those contexts that swearing an oath in and of itself is not sinful because God himself cannot sin. So therefore, it must really depend on the context and the conviction of the person swearing the oath. And like a lot of things, it's often a matter of the heart. Um, when I was talking in our prayer time before, I said, i said, I got to be careful. I, it's a bit of a shorter message, and i got to be careful not to ramble too much. And, and, uh, and Jamie said, well, just don't start talking about Romans then, because she knows that I like to go on about Romans. Uh, and I said, well, funny you say that, because uh, but I won't ramble too much about Romans. But we do learn in Romans chapter 14 that Paul says that our personal conviction Matters on these issues. And so, whether you feel like you, whether you feel that something is a sin, if you feel that taking oaths is a sin, then it can be a sin if you do it. But if you feel that it's fine to take an oath, then sometimes it can be fine for you to take an oath. And that's a whole study of itself in Romans and Romans chapter 14. But we see that we must discern context and our personal conviction on these things. You don't have to be legalistic about it, but you do have to be very concerned and, or convicted. And so if you're concerned or convicted about it, then don't do it. And if you find yourself in a courtroom and they ask you to put your hand on a Bible and swear the oath, opt out. Don't do it. If you're not comfortable with that, you don't have to do it. And it turns out in Canada and in the United States, uh, you are not required to take that oath. You can just simply opt out. And there shouldn't be any reason for you to not speak with integrity without invoking the name of the Lord. And on the other side of the coin, Jesus and James are clear that it's not the oath that's the problem, right? So it says, um, oh, rather the need for an oath, uh, the need for the oath should not be required. And that's what their statements are saying. So simply our honesty and our integrity should be consistent enough. You shouldn't need an oath to add weight to your character to confirm the thing that you've said. Just let honesty be on your lips. And that means at work. And that means at parenting. And that means at school and towards your parents. And in all context, in your marriages, your yes should be yes and your no should mean No. And by being consistent in these things, your reputation will continue to grow, and people will will understand you that you mean what you're saying, and the people in your life will be able to trust your word. And in this way, you get to love God more by not using his name in vain, and you'll love others more because you're going to treat them in the same way that you also want to be treated. Because let's be honest, nobody likes it. When people back out on, on their word, when people don't follow through on what they say, when people offend us or aren't honest with us or they, they you know, leave us hanging at certain times, you know, these things frustrate us and hurt us and, and we immediately, when those things happen, we immediately want justice. You know, we want people to know that they're in the wrong for hurting us. We want them to know that when they said they were going to do something and they didn't, that this is a problem. And especially when it's a repeat offense, right? And then we start telling other people, you can't really trust this person. So watch out for them because they don't follow through on their word. And so we want that justice. However, when it comes to us not following through on our own commitments then we want a little bit more mercy, right? It's like, oh, well, there's reasons for that. (laughs) It's like, oh, but but you don't understand. My alarm didn't go off. Or you don't understand. It was a particularly busy week. Or you don't understand it. I just don't feel well, right? In those situations, when it's us, we want mercy, right? So with other people, we want justice, right? And on the other hand, when it's us, we want mercy. And those two things collide at the cross. You see, at the cross, Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and I. Because it's sinful for you to hurt your brother and sister in Christ. And every sin, even if you think it's a small or insignificant sin, every single sin needs justice to be served. But the problem is we can't actually pay the price and live to tell about it. Because the, the wages of sin is death because we are breaking a cosmic law from a cosmic lawgiver our cosmic creator. And so even those small things even though they might seem insignificant to us are a big deal, bigger deal than we can even understand sometimes. And just because you or I don't think it's a big deal, that doesn't really matter. Like imagine someone calling somewhere and making a bomb threat. And then they kind of laugh and chuckle about it and don't think it's a big deal because, I mean, hey, don't actually have a bomb and I wasn't actually going to hurt anybody. And so they don't think it's a big deal. But then when they get charged for it and should get charged for it for making that threat, like they, don't, they may not understand, but it doesn't matter how you feel about it, right? And in the same way, the way we handle sin, the way we talk about sin, it's kind of the same way. We may not understand the gravity of the sin that we commit, but all sin needs to be uh, paid for. And it's easy for us to justify it. And it's easy for us to like say, oh, it's not a big deal. And I did it for these reasons. But God must hold us all accountable. Otherwise, he's not a just, good God. If he just turns a blind eye to the bad things people do, right? And since we can't pay the price of death and then live to tell about it, Jesus paid it for us. He went to the cross and he took our sins on himself He took the judgment that we deserved and he paid for it in full for anybody who's willing to trust in his name and believe in him as their Lord and Savior. And so this is where the mercy collides at the cross. We need mercy because we deserve to be held to account. And yet God wants us to be free. We don't want to be held accountable for our sins. You know, we want freedom from them. And Jesus gives us that free gift. And all you got to do is simply acknowledge your sinfulness. You have to ask God for forgiveness for your sins. And then believe and trust in him for that forgiveness from Jesus. And then at that point, you can start your journey of living under the law of Christ. Seeking to bring God glory. At the cross, justice is served and mercy is freely given. And at these final verses in the book of James... He says this, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. James wants us to keep one another from wandering from the truth. He wants us to be unified in following Jesus. Because the world can deceive us. I mean, heck, we can deceive ourselves so easily. We don't even need the world to deceive ourselves. But we can't be condemning of one another. It's so easy to point out other people's shortcomings and to say, look at them, look how bad they are. They're not, I'm not that bad, and how could they? It's self-righteousness at its finest. Our arrogance and our pride can run rampant when we feel justified, and instead... We must, in those times where, where any time that you feel so self-righteous that you look at that oh, that other person and look how bad they are, all oh, that, you know, in any area, whether it's extreme sinfulness or not, maybe it's just bad customer service you got, and you feel so self-righteous in that moment, those are the times you need to go to the cross yourself. You need to let Jesus be your sustenance. You need his healing and his restoration in, in your heart in those moments. And then from that place of healing, you then invite other people to join you at the foot of the cross. The gospel is just one beggar showing other beggars where to get food. You can invite others to Jesus with the love that Jesus requires of us while showing genuine love to God. And ultimately, James wants us in this Letter we've gone through. James wants us to live out our faith in practical ways while showing that genuine love for God and a genuine love for others. And living out our faith actively so that others might come to know Christ and their souls will be rescued by the wonderful mercy of the gospel. And imagine if we all did that. I mean, we know, we know that, that people look at Christians and think we're hypocrites because we're preaching Jesus, who's perfect, and we're not perfect. And so they see us living, well, you're not, you're not perfect, and you're preaching perfectness, and so they think we're all hypocrites. And reality is everybody's hypocrites on the planet. And we all need Jesus. It's why we're doing what we're doing. So imagine what your life might look like if you operated your life with a bit more integrity. Imagine what that would do to your sphere of influence if your yes was just simply yes and your no is simply no. And people would look at you and they would go, wow, that per- that's a person of character. And they might want to get to know you a little bit more and might want to hear why, or, why do you live with such integrity in your life? And you get to show them Jesus because you're showing love to them. And you might have more opportunities to share with them. Imagine if we all went out and lived a life where our integrity was just top-notch. And any time we made a mistake, we went to the foot of the cross and we apologized to the people we hurt and we said, Ah, oh, I'm so sorry. I really dropped the ball on that or I didn't follow through on that promise and we'll try to make it happen or whatever. The, sometimes circumstances change and that's reality. But imagine if we approached those things with grace. And we didn't condemn one another. We didn't shoot at each other in the church when we make mistakes. Imagine how that might change St. Albert even, let alone the rest of the world. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for being who you are. God, we need mercy every day. You are our righteousness. You're perfect. Our holy creator. God, your majesty reigns over heaven and over earth. We belong to you, God. And God, we confess that we struggle in so many ways in so many different parts of our life. And we are so grateful, God, that you love us and you sent Jesus on the cross for us. It's so hard to comprehend and it feels insignificant sometimes to communicate the, the immensity of that reality. So Holy Spirit, help us. Speak to our hearts. Guide us to make better decisions to follow through on our words. And God, there are people probably in this room who do not know you who want to investigate what this is all about or who want to learn more or want, maybe want to you know, pick out, you know, chew the meat, spit the bones kind of thing when it comes to Christianity. And so they want to like, learn a little bit more. Holy Spirit, would you grab a hold of their heart? Would you show them, open the eyes of their heart to show them their need for salvation? Because without you, we're just stuck in our sin, trying to get out of it on our own. And we all know that we can't can't just choose to be perfect. That's just not an option. We try. (laughs) You know, we might struggle and we try every day, but nobody can just choose to be perfect. It's only you, Holy Spirit, that can work that perfection in us through your sanctification. But that starts at the cross when somebody comes and humbles himself enough to say, I am a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. I want to live for you and I want to trust in you for my salvation. And so God if there are people here who feel that way, God don't let their hearts go. And if there are people here who have been Christians any amount of time and feel like they're wandering away from this. Maybe they're not attending church very often cuz it's not a high priority or or maybe they're just really struggling with, you know, it's hard to always make the good decisions all the time and it's sometimes so much easier to make the bad ones. God, would you we just pray for their souls. Would you give us opportunity to reach out to our brothers and sisters who are struggling, to pray with them, to encourage them, and bring them back to the cross. God, help us to be gracious towards others who make mistakes, and help us to have a heart just like yours. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.